Every single one of the properties I bought so far has been a, a mom and pop that was not online. So that was the number of the one thing is just get them online. It's so simple. You just create a Google listing, you get your software, create a website. And then once they're online, that is a huge value add because these properties that I buy, they have high vacancy rates. What's going on, guys? This is the Passive Wealth Strategy Show, the show that will help you escape the Wall Street casino and build wealth on Main Street by investing in real estate. Today, our guest is Gabe Peterson. And today we're talking about making the shift from flipping and wholesaling to mobile home parks and self-storage. That's exactly what he did. He was in the corporate world and he was doing flips and wholesaling on the side and ultimately decided, hey, I need to go after better asset classes that create more passive wealth and more passive cash flow than these strategies. So he chose to go after mobile home parks and self-storage. Today, we're digging into the types of deals that he's done, what he looks for, how he finds deals, how he evaluates them, how he runs them, so much more. How he creates value is really uh, an information-packed interview today with Gabe. I'm your host, Taylor Lode. I'm a real estate investor, and I help busy people passively invest in commercial real estate, specifically in apartment building and self-storage syndications. If you're interested in learning more and potentially interested in investing with us on a future deal, just go to investwithtaylor.com. Fill out the form, schedule a call with me, and I will look forward to speaking with you then. If you're an Apple Podcast user and you enjoy the show, please take a moment and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars if you don't mind, you guys. I appreciate that so, 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 so much. That helps other people learn about the show because that helps us rank higher in the Apple Podcast ecosystem. People see your reviews. They think to themselves, hey, this person learned something from this show. Maybe I can learn something too. And you know what? I see your reviews. I see that you're learning from the show. I see that you're engaging with the content. And that gives me a nice little warm and fuzzy feeling every single time. No matter what podcast app you use, if you haven't done so yet, look us up, hit the subscribe button. That way you'll get every new episode every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. That's when we're here. That's when we're doing it. That's when we're helping you escape the Wall Street casino. Once again, our guest today is Gabe Peterson. We're talking about shifting from flips, wholesaling, and the corporate world to now full-time real estate investing in mobile home parks and self-storage. A lot of information in this one. Without any further ado, here we go. Gabe, thank you for joining us today. Taylor, thanks for having me on. Really excited to talk about your self-storage and mobile home park investing journey and businesses and everything that you do. For our listeners out there who don't know about you and your background, can you tell us, give us an intro to Gabe Peterson and your investing strategy? Cool. Yeah. Yeah. And it has been a journey for sure. So my, I mean, my background was in corporate. I did that for probably about a decade and then decided to hop ship and do uh, real estate. Um, started with flips, wholesales, and then I got into commercial. And so the first I have, I own mobile home parks here in Washington state, two of them over on the east side of the state. And then I own a number of self storage down in Texas and Arkansas. And so right now my main, main goal is just buy and uh, rehab and hold and refinance, kind of doing the burst strategy with commercial. Nice. Nice. I like that. Especially since in commercial, you can force the value add and make that a lot more predictable. Now, yep. first, I'd like to dive into the cause for making the switch from, from flips and the other things you were doing to mobile home parks and self-storage. Can you tell us about that, whatever time frame or decision that you made to make that switch and, and why? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So when I... When I first got started in real estate, I was still working in corporate. And so it was kind of like a side hustle for me. Um, and I think I, I mean, I got started from watching like the, the flip shows like HGTV and reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad and all those. And they don't, 
they don't sell it correctly because it is not flipping a house is not what they they show online <laughs> it is it's much much more intensive and if you don't have like a construction background or anything like that there's a lot of things that go through the cr- cracks and you know there's a lot of issues that come up in the rehab process that you wouldn't otherwise know so i was doing wholesales and flips and it just i would make good money but it was just it took too much of my time and i i just didn't really like it i didn't really like babysitting contractors and it was very also very capital intensive and your money's tied up for like six months and then you just get a lump sum and there wasn't anything after that and i didn't like that so i i didn't want to continue down that path and i didn't really know what else to do so i started doing research bought a few courses talked to a few guys and at first i was going to do multifamily uh you know you know apartment apartments like a lot of people do out there but then i um, spoke with a few people about recession resistant asset classes two recession resistant asset classes are mobile home parks and self-storage facilities historically those are have performed pretty well during recessions and so i figured might as well give that a try so here i am nice awesome and i appreciate that you say recession resistant rather than recession proof because absolutely nothing is recession proof it doesn't exist And one of the things that a lot of people don't talk about or maybe don't realize when they're getting into flipping is how tax disadvantaged it is. It's ordinary income. Was that something you ran into that was frustration for you? Yeah. And that's something I didn't understand. I didn't know. Well, honestly, I didn't know anything about the tax side to begin with. So I didn't really have an expectation. But um, yeah, short-term capital gains is not nice. It's not a nice thing to have to pay. Um, So if you hold it, for, for a bit a bit longer and you just refinance, um, you can either do long-term capital gains or you can just not have to pay that giant tax burden and just you know benefit from the cash flow long-term, which is what I, I like. Nice, nice. Okay. So you took some courses, started learning about self-storage and mobile home parks. So now let's get into making that shift, finding the first deal and, and how you decided you know which one to go for. Yeah. So let's see. I... I owned um, a few duplexes and I was I knew that I wanted to have something to that cash flowed. you know I wanted to have that steady income coming in and so I you know I started courses talking to people and I met my f- partner so the mobile home parks I, I partnered with the self-storage I bought independently I met my partner you know a couple of years ago and he was looking into mobile home parks um, and at that point I just started running the numbers we to find them, we started doing off-market marketing. So we really, really dug deep into that. And I did pretty much anything you can think of. So I did uh, direct mail, text marketing, cold calls, VAs, ringless voicemail, text marketing. I already said text marketing. Online marketing. So we did uh, Google PPC ads, Facebook ads, everything you can think of, tried it. Um, and that worked. It that brought in a lot of leads. And so we found the... Uh, the George Park out here in Washington State. I can't remember. I think that was a RVM, a ringless voicemail that came in. It was, it's kind of a, you know, when you're talking with sellers, it's always interesting to hear their backstories. I'm talking with one right now. This guy's a, he's a hoot. He's like his family's super rich and they own a bunch of like oil fields out in Texas. Oh man. Um, but now they have all this infighting and I just get to be part of the drama. So it's kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, so this George one, it was this really this big time potato farmer out here in Washington. And I guess he had he bought like this entire city. Uh, it's not, you know, city is very, very, very generous. It's like just, a, you know, a number of blocks in this area out in uh, Washington, uh, Eastern Washington. 
You bought it with the intention of transforming it into something like Leavenworth, which is a city here in Washington that is themed and it has a theme of like a German, you know, town. So he bought it with the intention of doing that, turning it into kind of like a George Washington Civil War era or not Civil War, um, Revolutionary War era themed town. But he learned that he was not good at as good at developing as he was as raising potatoes. Um, So he, he just kind of owns all this land out there and he wasn't doing anything with it. The mobile home park was part of that that you know bundle of land um, and he just didn't want it and so he gave us great you know seller financing we put 10 percent down did that with our own cash and now we own it <laughs> nice nice okay so how did you negotiate the the seller financing because i think a lot of people maybe struggle with pitching seller financing to the seller and then you're structuring that in an attractive way for both parties. Oh, I, I think seller financing sells itself. I want to sell my my properties with seller financing because it been I mean, as the seller, you get the advantage of being the bank. Everybody wants to be the bank. That is the ultimate goal is just lending out money and then having an interest payment come back to you. So if you if you position it in a way where the seller understands that it is to their advantage, then I feel like it's a, a little easier. Obviously a lot of people just want to be done with it. You know, they're not going to say yes. They're just going to be like no, I don't want the headache. I don't want to worry about you not paying and then me having to take the property back and all that jazz. But so it's not always going to win, but I do feel it is it's an easy sell for those who who don't have that reservation of you not not performing. Gotcha. Okay. And you mentioned about your various marketing strategies bringing in a lot of leads, but one of the problems with having a lot of leads is qualifying, vetting, pitching, and so on and so forth with all of those leads. So how do you handle the back end when the leads come in? I mean, are are you taking the calls and how are you sorting through them and getting eventually to look at a property and make an offer? Yes, it I mean that is that's probably the hardest thing that uh, that you know when you're doing when you're trying to grow aggressively, dealing with leads is di- is very difficult because you do you're I mean creating an offer is uh you know, we got to the point where we would just had this quick Excel and we would do, we'd send an offer that we knew that if we screwed up on the initial DD, then it would be okay. Like, you know, the offer was, it was probably lower than what most people would, would offer. But if we screwed up, then we wouldn't be hit so hard in the, you know, in the, once we purchased it. Um, and that's really how we did it quickly is we just, it was volume over accuracy. And so, I mean, not to say that our, our offers weren't accurate, but we would, we had so many leads coming in. We just, Figured out a system to make quick offers without, you know, flying out to the property, looking at all, you know, all their systems and making sure our offer was 100% accurate. Okay. So it's, it's, it's kind of an initial, is it an initial offer? You say, Hey, here's where we would probably be on this property. Are you interested in that realm or no? And the sellers, uh, the prospective seller says, No, I want 10 times that because I'm not reasonable. And you say, Great. Thank you for reaching out. Have a great life or something like that. And you just move on to the next one. I mean, is that the general idea? Yes. Um, except for we don't say have a nice life. We say, great. <laughs> we'll, we'll reach out to you in like two months and see, you know, if you've come back yeah. down. And so my, you know, the, the rule, the rule that I have in real estate, especially if you're trying to build your own firm or do wholesaling. I mean, we've wholesaled the commercial side too, is every single person gets an offer. And if they say no, then they stay in the pipeline until the, the property sold. Because if they express interest, if they even think that they might want to sell, that means they're going to sell at some point to somebody. And so you got to make sure that you that you're there. They might not want to sell right now at a good number, but eventually they're going to sell and they're going to come back down to reality. 
Great. I like that. I mean, follow up is really everything in sales. I don't, you know, no matter what you're selling, even if you're selling yourself to buy a property, follow up is, is super important and they express interest. So, okay. Now let's talk about moving on to subsequent deals and, and, you know, how you branched out, decided to branch out into self storage. And of course, I want to get to how you built systems and all of that to manage these properties. So you're not creating additional jobs for yourselves, but uh, right now, let's stay on the acquisitions front and getting to that, you know, self storage deal. Yeah, so I bought I bought the two mobile home parks with the, that partnership. There's three of us, and then I decided I wanted to branch off on my own. And at that point, I, you know, I'd I'd done I'd been in mobile home parks, um, and I just wanted to try something different. I just you know I wanted to do a different asset class. I considered again multifamily, strip center retail, and so I I started looking at different things. Self storage just kind of. I don't know. It just caught my eye. I I thought about it earlier. Um, I liked the idea that there wasn't somebody living on the property or or being in the property. It was just somebody coming and going maybe once a month. I liked that idea. So I, I decided. I just said, "Fuck it, I'm doing self storage." And so <laughs> I started doing the exact same thing that I did in the mobile home spark, mobile home park space. I uh, you know started marketing, got got leads, and I. You know, I we did a few wholesales before. It actually took a while to find good leads. Self storage, the it's a little bit more competitive. I feel like on the self storage side than on the mobile home park side. Although that's probably you know they're they're similar. It's just there's there's more cap rates are a little bit lower for self storage. So I started marketing, did some wholesales, and then got got the first one down in outside of Dallas, Dallas Fort Worth, and then from there I just kept going and kept buying. <laughs> nice, nice. Okay, so. Why do you say it's you know more competitive? Are you dealing with maybe more difficult, quote unquote, more difficult sellers that don't want to make a deal? Or are you running into multiple offer scenarios? Or, or what does that really mean in a trying to close a deal sense? Generally, it seems like when I have contacted a seller, that seller has already been contacted by a hundred other people. Mm. And it, that, well, that usually wasn't the case on the um, MH side. And so, I mean, it doesn't mean that deals won't happen. It just means that it's difficult to find, you know, something that is a good deal. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. So now, obviously, I mentioned uh, getting to systems and managing the properties on the back end, so you're not creating a bunch of jobs for yourself. And you know, this is two different asset classes, right? So they probably have two different asset slash property management strategies. So I guess first, let's start with mobile home, the mobile home parks. So like, how are you managing those? I mean, they're they're you know separated. They're not all together. So how do you how do you make that work on an operational side? Yeah, and that is not creating a job for yourself is definitely, you know, that is a a skill for sure. It's it's a hard thing to do. <laughs> but the the thing that we got super lucky because we found a good property manager. Um, if you can find someone who is a good property manager, especially for mobile home parks, like or you know, if they live on the property and manage them for you, that is that is so crucial. So you have to hire right. If you don't have a good property manager, then it would be a nightmare. So we we did we found a good property manager. She does a great job. She is killer. She lives on the property. So she, there's a um, at one of the parks. There is a it used to be I think it used to be like a KOA or something like that. And then it was transitioned um, because there's this big ass office with an apartment on the top. So she lives in the apartment. She manages that park and the other park. And then we just do meetings. You know, we have a, a weekly meeting with her to check in, talk about what she's doing, you know, what what issues might be arising. And then we have a monthly meeting to go over, you know, reconciliation, you know, rent reconciliation, that kind of stuff. Um, and so 
to make it to reduce headache, you just have to find a good good team. That's what it comes down to. Nice, nice. Okay. And how about the on the self storage side? There are a lot more kind of automated options there. Yeah. I assume you're using those, but you still need some kind of boots on the ground people at the facility, right? So how are you doing that? Yeah. And that so self storage, I really like it for that reason. It's a lot. Um, it's pretty hands off mostly. So I have a an overall property manager for the four facilities that manages all the, everything from a kind of you know logistical standpoint. So they do they'll do the call center. They'll coordinate with the boots on the ground, and then each property individually has someone that we kind of we don't hire them, but we just connect with them for once a month. They'll go out to the property. And they'll, you know, take a video, they'll look at the locks, figure out which which person, you know, which units have locks on them. You know, if somebody said they they moved out and the lock is still there, then you know, we have to cut that out. And so that boots on the ground will just go out there once a month um, and we give them free rent for their unit for that. And so that's really what it comes down to is just having one overall property manager and one boots on the ground. And then the systems do them, you know, they they work. They work pretty well. I use easy storage solutions for the property management software, and people, you know, sought with self storage. They, you, it's it can be one hundred percent hands off because a person can rent through your website. They can go to the the facility, bring their own lock, put their stuff in the unit, and then leave. And you won't ha- ever have to, you know, they, the leasing system is all online. The payment system is all online, so you don't necessarily ever have to technically, you know, meet the person in in person. Nice. And I think there's still plenty of opportunity in the market with quote mom and pop facilities that are not using those kinds of solutions. So that gets into adding value to the facilities, improving operations and all of that. And that's one of the things I wanted to dig into here is how are you adding value? How are you creating value in your different investments? What are you doing? Every single one of the properties I bought so far has been a, a mom and pop that was not online. So that was the number of the one thing is just get them online. It's so simple. You just create a Google listing, you get your software, create a website. And then once they're online, that is a huge value add because these properties that I buy, they have high vacancy rates. And that's an easy solution if you put them online. If they're not online, nobody's going to find them because everybody Googles you know, mm-hmm. self-storage, RV park, mobile home park, that they Google first before they do anything else. So that that's the easiest value add. Outside of that, it was for the self-storage, they didn't have security. Um, that's what a lot of people look for is, you know, they want their things not to be stolen, which is understandable. <laughs> How about and that? so security cameras and fence, that's, those are the big value adds there. And then it's painting is a good aesthetic value add. It's really cheap and it just, it does wonders to a property. And then outside of that, that's pretty much it for self-storage is just get it online, security system, make it look good, um, paint it. And there weren't any major issues um, with the properties that I bought. You know, a few doors had to be repaired, but not not too bad. Well, actually, that's not true. Hot Springs was an issue, but I can talk about that later. But yeah. And then for mobile home parks, it is the value add is, is again, just leasing it up. There's been a, a f- quite a few other things, you know, we've had to repair sewer lines, we've had to replace septic systems. But if you buy right, then that's not that shouldn't be an issue. If you buy it well enough, then you will be able to make those repairs with the cash flow of the property. Nice. Okay. You you make your money when you buy. So I guess now we're at later, right? So tell us about hot springs. What what was the issue there? Yeah. So hot springs, I guess the lesson I guess I'll start with the lesson and that's you, you need to know your, your micro micro market before you buy. You need to know like the, 
you need to understand exactly what that corner is about. You know, I, I researched Hot Springs, the, the greater metro. Um, it's a great, you know, great market growth. There's a lot of people. It's a destination area. And so people go there for the lake and, you know, there's net positive migration. The economy is growing, looked good to me. So I was like, whatever this it's near downtown. So it can't be bad. I'm going to, I'm going to buy it. And I flew there. It looked great. Um, but I didn't understand that there's a strip club. And I don't know why I didn't see that the kitty corner to the property. <laughs> and there is a mobile home park across from it. Um, and I guess that area is just known for property damage because maybe because of the strip club, who knows? But so hot springs has, we've had just had a lot of issues with it. We've had break-ins. We've had, when I, when I bought the facility, it was 100% vacant because the previous owner had, he just didn't want to didn't want to deal with it and he you know the doors were broken and so there's just it was just a nightmare um and i should have taken that i should have looked deeper i should have saw that and been like hmm, i wonder what is going on here but you know we, we it's still it's working now um once you you get the we still need to get the fence up but we got security cameras up and that has deterred a lot of people uh, we have I, I luckily found a really good boots on the ground out there and he goes out there you know regularly just to check on it and so yeah so you really got to understand where you're buying. Gotcha. Okay. Well, that's a tough lesson learned, but it sounds like it's ultimately working out by implementing the value add plan. It's just a few more headaches than you really had expected. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So before we go on to the three questions I ask every guest on the show, I just would imagine that getting into these two new asset classes, there's one's going to face a lot of... Um, I had disappointment, if you will, or things are not going to go the way you expected every day. I mean, that's just kind of life, right? But in the, these areas in particular. So yeah, how do you push through those times? I mean, I'm sure you end up on calls with, you know, combative sellers. I mean, I've had, I've had sellers say exceptionally rude things to me, prospective sellers, obviously exceptionally rude things to me over the <laughs> phone. And it, it kind of messes your day up, right? Like I'm trying to make a deal here and, uh, this guy's just being a jerk, right? So how do you deal with those situations? Yeah. Yeah. And it is, I mean, in anything you do, it doesn't matter if it's mobile, you know, real estate, any kind of business you run, it's just, you always, you know, when you start something, you always see this linear path in front of you. You're like, I'm going to go from point A to point B. It's just going to be like step, 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 and I'll be there. It's going to be great. That's never how it works out. It's always, you know, up, down, left, right. Things come out of the woodworks and you just have to, you have to adapt. You have to solve the problems. Um, and to get through that, you really need to be, you need to have your motivation. You need to have your why, right? To me, I mean, that's relation, the, you know, life is all about relationships. That's what it's about. And so to me, connecting with the people that I, I care about really gives me the motivation to push through the inevitable setbacks that, that are going to happen, you know, regardless of what you're doing. And then just to have a greater goal, just to know that, you know, this is what I'm trying to get through. And I, I, I know that shit is going to hit the fan. It's just always does. And so. When that does happen, you just have to say, okay, is this ultimate goal worth what I'm going through right now? And it always is. If you have, you know, if you've chosen the right goal, then you just pick it up and keep going. Nice, nice. Just pushing through and focusing on, I suppose, the, the motivation and the things that, that really matter and the things that underlie the reasons why you want to do this, really focusing on your why is, yep. I think, what you're, what you're saying there. Great. I love it. Well, right now, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. The first step to growing your wealth is tracking your wealth, income, spending, and everything else about your finances. You can start tracking your wealth for free and get six free months of wealth advisory with personal capital by going to escapingwallstreet.com and using our link. 
Create your free account today and automate the way you track your money. Personal capital is my preferred way to track my finances, and now we're making that available for listeners. Terms and conditions apply. See the Personal Capital website for details. Once again, to get the offer, go to escapingwallstreet.com and use our link. Back to the show. All right, Gabe, I've got three questions I ask every guest on the show. Are you ready? Let's do it. Great. First one, what is the best investment you ever made other than in your education? Mm, Good. I like it. I like you put that caveat there. That's probably what most people would say too. Yep. All right. So best investment. I'm just going to choose deals uh, because you know that's what we're talking about. It's all good. So the best investment. I'm going to choose. I mean, there's been re- good ones for various reasons, but I'm going to choose the mobile home park out in Moses Lake that we own. The reason is we got seller financing, and he gave us 2.6 percent interest with like very little down. It was so to us, it was like a free park. We were like, oh, this is great. It was a good price, 2.6% interest, very little down. And the park, it is, you know, it's in a great metro. Um, There's some downsides, but those just the fact alone that we got the 2.6%, it was a great price. And it, uh, it was pretty full. It was like, I think at, when we purchased, it was like 80, 85% occupied. Um, now it's a hundred percent. And so those little facts alone made it, made it a great deal. Nice. Nice. I like that. Well, we had the best investment. Now we go to the other side of that coin, the worst investment. What is the worst investment you ever made? Nice. I'm actually, I'm going to give two worst investments because they're they're equally worse in my mind. (laughs) Uh, The first one was the very first flip I did. And that was, it was a triplex down here in in, uh, Tacoma in Washington. And that was the first real estate anything that I did. And it was a fucking nightmare. It was, we, we inherited three tenants and we didn't do any due diligence, you know, with those tenants or, or what was involved in that. Um, one of them was a hoarder. The house was literally filled to the, to the ceiling with just garbage. The other one was growing weed and I have no problem with weed, whatever, but he was using the electricity and it was like, like $800 a month. And we oh, were paying man. the, or <laughs> yeah, we were paying the electricity. And then the third one, he just stopped paying rent when, when we bought. And so, you know, I think I was like 23 or 24 at the time. And so I just, this was a, just out of, I don't know, it was a lot more than I expected. And so <laughs> we, uh, the guy who stopped paying rent, you know, we, we evicted him. And then when he left, he plugged the sink and flooded the, the apartment. And so, you know, all those things together made that first experience quite an eye opening one. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, uh, you know, that, that'll be it. That'll be my worst one. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Definitely a, a, a nightmare horror story. Well, my favorite question here at the end of the show is what is the most important lesson you've learned in business and investing? You have to just persist. You have to have grit. Um, it's never, you know, things aren't going to go as planned. And that has to be just something that you accept as a reality for business. Um, and then you have to push through it. Um, and then on top of that, everybody gets an offer. That is, that is the, the golden rule of, uh, of sales and real estate is everybody gets an offer regardless of, uh, what you think of their, their ideas of their property. <laughs> nice. Well, Gabe, it's been a great conversation today. I appreciate all the lessons that you've brought to our listeners from flipping to mobile home parks to self storage and the underlying, uh, grit and persistence that it takes to do those deals. If folks want to reach out, if they want to get in touch with you, if they want to find your podcast or anything like that, where can they track you down? Yep. The best place is uh, just the website. It's therealestateinvestingclub.com. Um, 
that's it. TheRealEstateInvestingClub.com. You can reach out there. Awesome. Well, thank you once again for joining us today. To everybody out there, thank you for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars if you don't mind, guys. I appreciate that so, so much. That helps other people learn about the show because that helps us rank higher in the Apple Podcast ecosystem. And I'm always honest with you guys. That gives me a nice little warm and fuzzy feeling because I get to see your reviews. I get to see that you're engaging with the content. You're escaping the Wall Street Casino along with us. If you know anyone who could use a little bit more passive wealth in their lives, please share the show with them and bring them to the tribe. Don't forget to subscribe and catch us here every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. Right now, I want to hope you have a great rest of your day and we'll talk to you on the next one. Bye-bye.